So the past several weeks, we've been looking at this series called The Way, in which we've been looking at the book of Acts with the early church uh, in the first century as it first started out. As followers of Jesus, before they were known as the church, before they were known as Christians, they were known as the way, followers of the way. Because Jesus says in the Gospels, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the way to life to the full. Jesus is the way to life eternal. And so we've been looking at the early church to see what we can learn about them from the first century that might transfer over to the 21st century. And every week we've found something in Scripture that translates from the first century to the 21st century. So we're wrapping up that series today. And if it's your first time here, that's absolutely okay. Uh, You don't have to know anything that we've talked about. But if you're interested in learning more about that, you can go to our website and see some of these former messages Um, But uh, I'm excited today. I have one more uh, sermon to talk about the way because it's just been a lot of fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed that. And we'd love to hear what you think about uh, the way. Well, this past week, my wife, Laura, and I celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. And uh, yes, praise God. Got a picture here of Laura and me when we first started dating. Like uh, that would have been 20 years ago. Uh, we were dating together about a year and one of us is aged and one of us has not. And so <laughs> I'll let you guess who the one who has the gray hair, uh, is me, but, uh, just so grateful for my wife. I love her so much. And, uh, we've been together for 20 years, 19 of those married. And, uh, it's just, that's the longest relationship, romantic relationship I've ever been in. And it truly reminds me of God's grace. You get things that you don't deserve. I don't deserve her. And, you know, I'm married way up in life. And so I'm grateful for that. And she's been very patient with me over these 20 years. And so lots of crowns in her, uh, in her, for heaven, stars in her crowns for heaven. But, uh, when I ask you today, who do you love? Who are the people in your life that you love? Maybe it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, a significant other. Maybe it's a parent or a grandparent or a child or a grandchild. Maybe it's your brother, your sister. Maybe it's your cousin, your aunt, your uncle. Maybe it's your best friend, right? Sometimes we have family uh, that's not blood related, but are closer than any family that we might have. Who are the people in your life that you love? And how do you treat them? What does that relationship look like? And who do you love? We're going to talk about that today because we think about the way, the followers of Jesus, right? The prime directive of the way was to love, right? Love is the primary thing of followers of Jesus, to to love. We talked about this two weeks ago. We said that relationship is the way. And so our relationships, we looked at what Jesus said when someone asked him, what's the most important thing about what we believe, what we do? He said to do two things. One is to love God with everything that you have, with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, right? That's the number one thing to do is to love God. And then the second thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Anyone that you come into contact with, right? So for followers of Jesus, for followers of the way, it's all about love. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. There's other passages of Scripture that show us this. In uh, John three sixteen, these are the words of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John three sixteen. If you ever watch sporting events, you might see people hold up signs that say three sixteen. That's what that means. John three sixteen. It's the summary verse of the whole Bible. God loves you. God loves me. God loves everybody. 
right? God created us in God's image, which means that there's a lot of goodness inside of us. Inherently, we have a lot of good inside of us. We also have been given the gift of freedom of choice, freedom of, to, to choose things, right? Free will. Sometimes we choose well and we love the world well. Sometimes we choose poorly and we make decisions that hurt ourselves and they hurt other people. Uh, and the Bible calls that sin, which means to miss the mark. Sometimes we miss the mark of love. And some of the consequences of that are we feel guilt and shame, right? We will die one day, a physical death, and we also experience hell, which means broken relationships, right? You don't have to die to experience hell. You can experience hell on earth. And so Jesus saw all that stuff, and he said, that's not the way that I want it. And so he came to the earth, and he died. And when he died on that cross, he took all of this stuff upon him, sin and death and guilt and hell and shame and all that stuff, and he defeated it when he came back to life. And so now we can be forgiven when we say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm, I want to turn away from the life that I've been living. I want to turn to you. Please forgive me and come and live inside of me. He will. And he will forgive us and take away our guilt and shame and replace that with joy and peace and life to the full and life forever, right? It's all about love. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. Right? We also see other things in the scripture from Jesus, the way that challenge us about love. Check this verse out. This is from Matthew's gospel. And Jesus says this himself, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Right? It's okay loving God. It's okay loving neighbor as self, as long as it's not enemy. But now Jesus says, love your enemy as yourself. Right? Think about that. Think about the person that you would consider your enemy. Maybe it's your boss, or maybe it's your coworker, Maybe it's a bully at school. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Right? Maybe it's someone who abused you. Who knows what it is? Like Russia and the Ukraine, God's saying, love each other. Like, what does that mean? What does it look like to love your enemy, to love someone? What does it mean to love in the Bible? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, too, in the relationships message. And Basically, we said that, you know, love is tied to an emotion. Definitely, there's emotions that we have of love. But the Bible says that more than an emotion, love is an action. It's what we choose to do. It's how we choose to love each other. It's being kind to others, that sort of thing, right? And so it's, it's to, to make a choice to be loving like God was loving to us, even when people don't deserve it. Now, that doesn't mean that loving your enemy, you let them stomp all over you and keep abusing you. That's, that's not what it is. But it's looking to be able to treat them with kindness in ways to, to let them know that there's, there's something bigger than that. And maybe we can stop the, the relationship of being enemies or, or violent or that sort of thing. But love is a choice. It's, it's an action. And just think about it. Like think about the people that you love and, and you have the warm, fuzzy feelings for, right? Your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children, your grandchildren. There are moments in your life where you don't like what they do. You don't like to be around them sometimes, but you still, what, love them. You still choose to be with them. You still choose to, to, to treat them kindly. And so love is an action. It's a choice. Dr. Gary Chapman has uh, run with this. He's kind of a sociologist. He's also a, a, a follower of Jesus. And he came up with this idea of the five love languages. And he said that inside of all of us, we have like a gas tank, but it's a love tank, right? We we have a tank, and it needs to be filled up, like, every day. Like, other people need to help us know that we're loved on the inside. 
And he said there's different types of fuel, right? Some of us feel loved in, in ways that are different than other people. So he has five different things that, that says this is like our love fuel, right? So some of us feel loved when other people do acts of service for us. Oh, hey, you cooked me a nice meal. Hey, you took the garbage out. I didn't have to ask you to do that. Hey, you mowed the lawn. Hey, you helped me move, right? It's an act of service. When you do something for someone, some of us, our love language is we feel loved when people do nice things for us, right? Others, it's words of affirmation. Hey, you look beautiful today. Or, you know, I'm so glad that you're in my life. That's amazing. You're such a good person, right? We, we need to hear words of affirmation. For others, it's quality time that we spend time together, quality time, right? You set the phone aside, you turn off the TV, right? We, we're spending time together. Others, it's physical touch, right? That could be uh, holding hands, it could be a kiss, it could be a, a back massage, something like that. Just we feel, physically feel loved. And then for others, it's receiving gifts, Right? That could be a, a note that says, hey, I, I love you so much. It, it could be the dinner, right? It could be a trip to Hawaii, right? I feel really loved with that, right? But uh, so Dr. Chapman says you got to be careful. Like if, if, if your love language is acts of service, then you probably assume other people's love language is acts of service. And so you're going to try to serve them. But if your significant other or your child ha- is love language is words of affirmation, if they don't hear good words from you, then they're not going to feel loved. So, like, you could be like, I've been trying to love you all day. I've done all these things for you. But if they don't hear words of affirmation, they're not going to feel loved. This was a revolutionary thing for me to learn about in my relationship with Laura, in my relationship with my children, right? What are the love languages in your family, in your relationships? And do you know how to speak these languages to other people? Sometimes you'll have the same language, right? And he says that you have one primary, one secondary language. Some people could say, I like all five, and that's good. But anyway, he's written a book if you're interested. But what I bring it up to say that love is more than an emotion. It's what we do. It's how we serve, right? It's an action. It's a choice. Okay, and so that's what the early church did. They they showed a lot of love. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And I've talked in this series about ways that we've tried to be like the early church in the book of Acts by sharing God's love with our community. Uh, I want to share a few things today that I'm pretty excited about. We've just recently let uh, a a recovery group come into our church known as Full Circle, and uh, they help teenagers and people in their 20s who are battling addictions beat them. And it's a spiritual program. It's called Full Circle, uh, and it meets here. If you're interested in that, go to the website, fullcircleprogram.com, fullcircleprogram.com. And we built this campus. One of the goals that we had was to radically share it with our community. Uh, Last night, we had children's theater in here, and they came and they did Frozen. And so uh, just fun ways that we're trying to share our space with the community. So we're glad to have this new group coming in to help people who are battling in recovery, especially teenagers uh, and folks in their 20s. Later today, I'm going to do something that I think is pretty powerful. Um, I'm going to go to be a part of a house blessing. Um, This is a house that has been started by one of our partner ministries here in Charlotte called Dahlia Grove. And what they do is they help rescue women who are uh, sexually trafficked in in Charlotte, right? They're modern-day slaves. They help them escape that. And then they help them get their lives back in order. And so uh, Dahlia Grove has built their second safe house, right? It's a secret location. Um, And so I'm going to go there today and other clergy who help support this ministry. We're going to bless the new house. 
because sadly they needed a second house because so many women are, are, are battling this. Uh, some of their, what they do is also addiction recovery. And so that's powerful. And your generosity helps make this possible. And that's a way of South Park Church saying that we love and we care for the community. Uh, I'm also excited today to talk to you about our unfinished Performing Arts Center space here in our campus. Got a picture of that. And again, you can go to this today right after service. Um, we have unfinished space in our building, about 30,000 square feet. And most of that is primarily going to be on the third and fourth floor for our Performing Arts Center, which is slated to, to seat about 700 people. Uh, we will worship there, uh, do like modern worship there. We would do other ministries there. And throughout the week, we want to open that up to the community because there's no real space like that in South Park outside of Uptown Charlotte. And so we're, we're excited about that. And uh, the leadership team has gotten to the point that we believe it's, it's time for us to start focusing on what we're going to do in that space, how we're going to do that. So I'm excited today to say that some of the leaders in our church have stepped up to fund a feasibility study. It's going to be a five-month study, and we're going to study the performing arts market for this area in South Charlotte to see what people would be interested in coming and seeing and supporting, um, how much it will cost to, to fill, fill that space up, to build that space out, what we can do in that space. Uh, so we're super excited about that. It's going to be a five-month study. Again, we had leaders in the church who financially supported this. It's going to cost about $25,000, and all that money has been already been pledged and is coming in above what people are giving to the church already. Like, we have people who really believe in this. And so uh, August 1st is going to be the start date, and we'll go five months through that, and we'll see what happens. We're contracting uh, with an agency that does stuff like this and will lead us through that process. And we're super excited. So I want you to pray with us that God shows us what needs to go in that space and when and, and how we're going to do that and partner with the community to do that. Um, and again, today, right after worship, we'll hope you go downstairs to the second floor. It's right past the children's ministry area. We'll have people showing you in there. But as you go in to get your coffee and donuts and fruit, maybe uh, have some fun talking to each other, but also maybe just take a moment, go to a quiet spot, go to a quiet corner, and pray. Pray that God's will will be done. And I'd like to do that right now if you'll join me just in a moment of prayer. God, thank you so much for the ways that you're allowing us to use our campus to reach people in our community for Jesus. Uh, from having children's theater to recovery groups, Lord, to worship services. Um, that's why we designed this space. That's why you called us to do that. And almost half of our space still sits unfinished, God. And we've just uh, been waiting and praying for the time to start thinking about that. And we believe that time is now. And so we're excited about this study that we're going to do. We just pray for wisdom, God, that we would learn lots of cool things and that you would just give us wisdom about what should be in that space, how it should look, Lord, uh, how uh, the logistics are going to work around that, what the timing is, and that ultimately all of it would help bring people into a relationship with you through our congregation. Thank you for this faithful and generous congregation, God, and we're just super excited uh, to be in that space beginning today, Lord, as we think and dream about how we can love our community, love South Park even more. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, one interesting thing about the early church, the book of Acts, you know, if love is the prime directive, Jesus talks about love all the time, you know, there's some fascinating things about the book of Acts. One of them is a lot of you said, I'd never heard about the way, right, that the church was first called the way before it was called Christianity, before it was called the church. Here's another interesting thing, fact, about the book of Acts. In the entire book of Acts, you know how often the word love appears? 
zero times. Like, that blew me away, right? When I'm sitting down thinking about this, right? The word love does not appear in the whole book of Acts, right? That's the prime directive. That's what we're supposed to be doing in the, as, as Christians. And so it has 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Most of the books in the Bible have 18 chapters, right? So there's like 10 extra chapters. It covers about a, a, a period of about 30 years. You think that the word love would show up in the book of Acts. So what's going on? Right? Interesting story. In the book of Esther in the Old Testament, the word God does not appear. Right? So Esther almost got cut out of the Bible because the word God is not in there. But if you read the book of Esther, God is present in the book of Esther. And when we read the book of Acts, God is present in there with love. Right? So one interesting thing to know, too, is also that the books of Acts and the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, used to be like one big book together. Right? So this guy named Luke, who was a disciple in the early church, uh, wrote Luke and Acts as one book. Uh, Luke is the gospel. It's a story about Jesus. And then Acts is the story about the early church. And so when they put the Bible together, there were other stories about Jesus known as gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. So the people who put the Bible together, they kind of cut Luke and Acts apart. And so they put Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the synoptic gospels. These three gospels follow kind of a same kind of time frame and outline and stuff. Then there's the Gospel of John. It's the story of Jesus, but it's told in a different viewpoint, a different way. And so they put Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together. They cut Acts off from Luke, and so they had the stories of Jesus. Then they put Acts right after that. Right? So when you look at Luke and Acts together, Luke has the word love in the Gospel 19 times. So technically, when Luke and Acts was one book of the Bible, the word love showed up among the whole thing. But when they cut it in half, right, 28 chapters don't mention love. You'd still think in the 28 chapters, love should appear. So where is love in the book of Acts? I think we can see it in the title of Acts. Okay, so the title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, which you could also call the Actions of the Apostles. I think we see love through what the followers of Jesus do in the book of Acts. Right? They don't have to say the word, they just do it. Right? They don't have to talk about love. They just do it, right? So we're supposed to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. How do the people in the book of Acts who follow the way love God? They repent. They turn away from their living without God, and they turn to God, and they ask for God's forgiveness. Thousands of people go to Jesus and say, I'm sorry for the life that I've been living. I need you to forgive me and to come into my life. The people in the book of Acts, they worship God. They pray to God. They serve people for God. So the people in the way showed their love of God through the way that they acted. Right? They also loved their neighbors as themselves. How did they love their neighbors? They healed the sick. They, rose, they raised people back from the dead. They fed the hungry. Right? When somebody needed something, they would sell their possessions and use the money to take care of them. Right? They, they preached and evangelized. They told the story of Jesus to everybody that they could come into contact with. They welcomed everyone, whether you were male or female, free or slave, right? Doesn't matter what nation you were from, what color you were. They welcomed everyone. They were inclusive. They stood up to the authorities and power who were misusing that power, right? They loved their neighbors as they love themselves, right? In, in a traditional service, those of you in a traditional service, we're going to close the service out today by singing a song. They will know that we are Christians by our love, right? You should be able to see love in actions of others. So the acts of the apostles, the actions of the apostles showed their love. Right? But there's, there's one part of this that I don't want us to miss, to love God and to love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? 
We need to love ourselves individually. That's a hard thing for a lot of us to do, right? I just, I don't feel good about myself. I feel guilty about things that I've done. But God says, you're a valued son and daughter of Christ, right? We're going to sing that in our modern service today at the end, right? God loves you, and it's okay to love yourself. I also want to think about that in a way also of loving ourselves as the church, right? The church should take care of each other. We should love ourselves. And the early church, the way they did that, we read about how they loved to be around each other. They would gather together in people's homes and hang out and f- have fun and laugh and cry and all that kind of stuff. They, they broke bread together, and uh, they even went to prison together, right? They did everything together, right? They did all these amazing things together. So they loved God, they loved their neighbors, and they loved themselves. They loved the way. They loved being a part of the way. And remember, it was a dangerous time to be a follower of Jesus. We talked last week about the guy named Saul and all those people who were arresting followers in the way and having them killed. It was an exciting time to be a part of the way. It was also a scary time, right? The people who killed Jesus were still in power. They were killing people in the way all the time. But thousands and thousands of people, thousands of people, even when it was dangerous, were joining the way. And I think it's because of the way that people loved each other. Another passage from Jesus today. This is from John's gospel, that fourth gospel that I mentioned, John 13, verses 34 through 35. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, to the folks who become the way, right? These are the people who are followers of him. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, I have a new command, love one another. Now, that's not new, is it? He's already said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. That's not the new part. The new part is, he says, love, right, one another as I have loved you. That's the new part, right? Love one another is not new. Love one another as I have loved you, right? So we are told as followers of Jesus, followers of the way, we're supposed to love each other like Jesus loved us. So how did Jesus love us? That's the key. All right, so that bad guy named Saul became a good guy named Paul, and he wrote this to a church, followers of the way, in a city called Philippi, to the Philippians in the first century. And this is what he says about how Jesus loves. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality God something to be used to his own advantage. I'm God, I'm equal to God, but I'm not going to use it just for my own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus is on top of the food chain. Jesus, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all God together in the glorious kingdom of heaven, can do anything, have anything, right? Anything. But Jesus said, I'm not going to use it just for myself. And he saw that brokenness of humanity that I talked about at the beginning of the message, you know, the sin and the death and the guilt and the shame and hell and all that kind of stuff. And so he emptied himself out of heaven. He came to the earth, became a human being, a fragile human being, even while remaining divine. And they emptied himself of his life, right? That's how Jesus showed his love, right? So Jesus shows his love in this way. Jesus shows his love through service and sacrifice. If we are to love each other, we are to serve each other and to sacrifice for each other. 
What does that look like for you? Jesus' love through service and sacrifice. What does it look like for you to serve other people? What does it look like for you to sacrifice for other people, especially those people who follow in the way. I love this quote that I read in a, in a Bible commentary getting ready for this message. It says, unless we've experienced love, it's virtually impossible to express love. So we experience love because Jesus first loved us. Now that we've experienced the love of service and sacrifice, we can share that with other people. Right? It's, it's virtually impossible to love others if you've not been loved, but Jesus has loved us. He serves us he sacrificed for us. So now that we've been served, we have been sacrificed for, then we can share that love with other people. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think it's this. Love is the way. Right? Everything that we're talking about, the early church, following Jesus, love is the way. Who do you love? How do you love them? Love is the way. So I want to invite you to think about this action step right here throughout the week, to love like Jesus does. And so to ask yourself two questions, how do I serve like Jesus and how do I sacrifice like Jesus? Now, I'm not saying go out and let yourself get killed. That's not what I'm saying, okay, right? But how do I serve like Jesus and how do I sacrifice like Jesus? A couple of weeks ago when we were talking about relationship being the way, I said it's a beautiful thing for me to see how our church not only loves God, loves our community, but how we love each other, how we have each other's backs. And we've had people in the hospital recently, and we've had people go to visit them and, and help them advocate for, uh, with the doctors to understand what was going on, taking them meals. Right? We've had people who've lost jobs, and they've leaned on each other to, to pray for each other, support each other in the midst of that time. We've celebrated right, births uh, of babies. We've celebrated graduations last week. We're celebrating marriages. Lots of people in our congregation are getting married, and that's super exciting, right? So we're there for the ups, we're there for the downs. We have each other's backs. We love each other, we serve and we sacrifice. And here's the beautiful thing is, in a congregation our size, we have people who think differently about everything. We have Republicans and Democrats, we have independents, we have black and white, we have old and young, we have male and female, we have gay and straight. Right? We have rich and poor. We have people all across every walk of life. And we don't see eye to eye on everything. But what we do see eye to eye on are the most important things. We love God and we love each other. We love God, we love each other. In the early church, when the way was going, right, it was cool, right? They were healing people and uh, feeding people and, uh, you know, doing all this cool preaching about stuff, but it was also dangerous. You could be arrested for your faith. We could be worshiping today and the police could come in, take us all to jail, and then have us killed. And yet people were lining up, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people were lining up for the, why is that? Because the message of Jesus, because all those good things that I just said, and also because the way loved each other. They had each other's backs. And when they were celebrating good stuff, they had someone to celebrate with. When they were going through a hard time, they had someone who was right there who could console them and cry with them and hold them, right? That's what it's all about. Love. Love God, love neighbor, love yourselves. So love the people that you're sitting next to today. Love the people that are joining us online. Love the people in this room. Love the people in the other worship service, right? Have each other's backs because the world sees that. And the world's looking for a place where people can be accepted and welcomed and cared about, where someone knows their name and knows what they're going through. 
And that's what the way is. Love is the way. Serve like Jesus. Sacrifice like Jesus. Love like Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.